It's time to step into the, the snake, snake pit. pit. And now, with something completely over the top, the host and star of the Snake Pit. Thank you. Snake. Oh, me. Thank you. Yeah. Welcome to the Snake Pit. So I don't know if you guys knew this or not. And um, with all the fervor concerning the Texas Rangers, uh, right next door to the Rangers series will be Taylor Swift at AT and T Stadium. She will play three sold-out shows in front of 300,000 people, basically, uh, for three consecutive nights. I think it's three nights in a row, I do believe. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, right? I think so. Are there any Taylor Swift nude selfies out there? (laughs) No, Mike, hang on. It's so gross. So... They gotta be selfies. I don't know. very clear on that. Right. Like Hope Solo selfies? Gross. (laughs) I don't know where this is gonna land in the annals of... Annals. Annals of significant Dallas concerts, but I would assume just based on the fact that she's playing three sold-out shows there, there aren't many acts in the world that could pull that off. She's one of very, very few humans. Something wonderful may happen there. I do not know. Even though it's not technically Dallas, it started. it made me think about significant concerts, kind of watershed moments here in Dallas concerning the city. And so I started coming up with a list of these moments. And we're really lucky to live in a big city where a lot of these big acts come through. And they have, you know, for 60 years, 70 years or whatever. Um, And I think, like, when I'm done working, as much as I like music, I do want to be in an area where you have the opportunity to see something like that. You know? If it's not here, somewhere else. That rules Hearn out. It does. Very few concerts. For sure, and Hearn. So... (laughs) I was texting, I made a list, and I started texting late night last night with our buddy Robert Walonsky as I sent him my list and said, what do you think of this? And Robert joins us now. Robert, the preeminent music mind here in Dallas, the preeminent Dallas music historian and really the Dallas historian himself. Hi, Robert. Hey, boys. How we doing? Hey, now. Good. How are you? We're doing very well. Robert probably has a bootleg of every show that's ever taken place in Dallas. You know, I sent I sent Corby quite a few of them last night when he was texting me this. Yeah, I sent it. He sent me all sorts of audio from uh, from these different shows, and he uh, added a couple that I didn't remember at all. But these are these aren't the best shows. I'm not saying these are the best shows, but these are the most notorious shows that have been through the city of Dallas. Over the last 60 years. I think this is pretty fair. I know that I'm skipping a couple of them, but it's not going to make everybody happy, but it is what it is. Because, as I said, it's Dallas, and we've been really, really lucky to have these moments actually happen here. And the first one is, and I'm not going in chronological order, but the first one is Elvis coming to town. And Elvis came to town for the first time uh, to the Sportatorium tie, June 18th, 1955. Played a wrestling arena. I was there. You were not there. And, Robert, these moments, the Big D Jamboree is what it was called, unfortunately. D for Dallas. That's and, right. It was the Big D Jamboree. And, was it one of those reviews with a ton of acts? Yeah. Okay. It was It was actually a, a broadcast nationally. Uh, this was a radio show. There was a, a couple around the country, the uh, Louisiana Hayride. There was the Big D Jamboree and a few others. Yeah. And Elvis, this was his first moment here. I don't think that they got a lot of songs 
maybe Robert four or five songs or something like that. That was kind of yeah. Every time you came through, you got a handful of songs, and you know the big DJ and Bree was Carl Perkins, Johnny Cash, Elvis. I mean, it was it was really one of the biggest. Uh, it was a radio show. It was broadcast on CBS Radio. It was a very big deal. Uh, second on this list is the initial Texas Jam. Are you familiar with the Texas Jam, Bob? No, sir. Okay, the Texas Jam is a festival that was put on by a couple of Houston promoters that lasted about a decade here in Dallas, always at the Cotton Bowl. And when was the last one? Like 83, 84? 87. Yeah, oh, 87. 87. So it went 78 okay. to 87. Yes, I, was, I only got to see the last one, the worst one. <laughs> right, right. So this first one, though, on July 1st, 1978, it was the hottest day of the year. Matter of fact, it was one of the hottest July 1st in the history of the city of Dallas. That sounds horrible. At the Cotton Bowl, to preserve the field, the grass field, they laid down black tarp. And Uh. so the field went from 105 degrees to about 140 instantly. The video of this is hilarious. This was Van Halen, very young Van Halen, Journey, Hart, Aerosmith, Ted Nugent, and Cheech and Chong... Warm the crowd up in between sets. Okay. Yeah. So here is a news report from that initial uh, Texas jam. Keeping the 80,000 fans from making their way onto the stage were private security men in yellow t-shirts. People openly lit up and smoked marijuana. In fact, you couldn't walk through the crowd without catching a whiff of the weed every few feet. Apparently the fans, some like these two who came all the way from the West Coast just to see today's concert, felt secure enough to smoke the illegal drug. The police said they couldn't do much about it. And most of all, the heat got to more than a few. The medics were running back and forth between one case of heat exhaustion to another. They administered inside where temperatures and tempers were reaching their boiling points. Security was nil. There were no Dallas policemen working the floor of the Cotton Bowl at all. And there were people rolling joints. They had video of dudes rolling joints left and right, which I found really weird for 1978. They showed it on TV. Dudes dumping weed into papers and rolling it, smoking their illegal drugs. Uh, But it was a huge moment here locally to have this and then have it extended for 10 years, and then it just dried up like Robert said. Can I tell you the Can I tell you the bill of the last Texas Jam? Yeah, the the one I attended, yeah. for which I still have the poster. It was Boston playing its first concert since 1979. It was Aerosmith who was at the first one, and it was Tesla, Fahrenheit, Whitesnake, and Poison. God. Wow! Well, you got Bob's ears all perked mm-hmm. up. Now we're with talking Whitesnake and Poison. Right? Don't Man, Tesla. it may have been the worst concert I have ever. Been <laughs> So the band that has played in front of, or I guess, yeah, played in front of more people than anybody else in the history of Dallas is the Rolling Stones, are the Rolling Stones. And their most infamous show was Halloween at the Cotton Bowl in 1981 in a driving rainstorm. Everybody is dressed up for Halloween. It's the Stones, and it's a deluge that knocks that concert sideways. But everybody who was there... Robert said that it was the best show they had been to and you sent me the audio of this last night I was going through it until the wee hours of the morning it is absolutely hilarious to listen to Mick Jagger talking about the rain uh listening to the shows um let's see if I can find okay so here he is at his wits end as it's raining sideways and tell me if you don't have a laugh here that will save into perpetuity (laughs) 
And you, okay, I'll describe what's going on here. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I think I just have a little drink here to warm myself up a little bit. So it's cold, and he wants a little drink to warm himself up, and he's okay. saying, "I'm going to drink a little Jack Daniels here." Okay. Drink here to warm myself up a little bit. It's hammered. Oh, baby. So he takes a big sip, and here we go. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. (laughs) (laughs) I hope hope this equipment holds up. That's all I'm hanging on. She's so cold, and I'm so wet. (laughs) (laughs) That laugh, though, is awesome. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that was a huge moment. Prince and the Purple Rain Tour came through. Again, that was a Halloween show for for the Stones. Oddly enough... The biggest, one of the biggest tours of the 80s and one of the biggest albums slash soundtracks of the 80s, if not the biggest, it probably was, was Prince and Purple Rain. His tour randomly came through Dallas on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. New Year's Eve 1984, New Year's Day 1985 at Reunion Arena. And you were there, Robert, right? I was indeed. In fact, uh, I went with my friend uh, Michael. Michael found my old, one of my oldest childhood friends. And a buddy of ours uh, from Hebrew school was a few rows ahead of us, Brooks. And he actually got pulled up on stage by Sheila E., who sat him in a chair and actually uh, performed. Uh, like I want to say it was a glamorous life, but I can't remember. Uh, she performed while he was sitting in the chair, and she sort of straddled him and performed a musical number while we all sat there in deep and profound jealousy for the rest of the night. Dude, forever and ever and ever. But... He absolutely, from all by all accounts, just slayed it as he would. But it was New Year's Eve, and imagine the party atmosphere of Prince playing New Year's Eve for that particular record for Purple Rain. And where was this at Reunion? Okay, and hardly any of this audio exists, really, except for two songs. And Robert sent me one of them. And it's If You Want to Be My Lover. And Falsetto Prince is my favorite prince. But can you imagine the drunkenness and party atmosphere that was there and spilling out of there? And then he played the next night. So that was a wonderful, wonderful, significant concert moment here. Uh, Moving on to the really random four-night run of Bruce Springsteen at a little club called Gertie's. Off of Lemon and what, Robert? You know, I forget exactly the cross street. It was kind of near where the old sound warehouse used to be. So Gertie's and Mother Blues, there was that stretch of Lemon. Yeah, and he it's, was... It's now a Panera, I believe. It is? No. I'm... Oh, okay. So, uh, so Gertie's was, cl- was a club that held a couple of hundred people. He had just played in Houston where he sold out these bigger venues, and they're like, you got to move this to Gertie's because he sold so many tickets in Houston... Well, nobody went in Dallas. 
and Bruce Springsteen played four nights Bruce in a row at this little tiny club off of Lemon Avenue. That's insane. And for the people that were there, they said that it was like he was playing Madison Square Garden. Like, it was a legendary, he didn't care that nobody was there. Four nights in a row, Born to Run was released about four months later. And he absolutely blew up. But he played this tiny club for four nights in a row here. Uh, yeah, but you got to remember that every time he came back for a while, he actually did not fill uh, venues. Like, he played Memorial Auditorium downtown, and he didn't fill that place either. It was only half full. Like, Springsteen, it took him a long time to catch on in Dallas. I mean, he was a Northeastern. He was a regional act for the longest time. Gerties uh, is now a Smoothie King. Of course it is. <laughs> the free show in 1991 better. of Van Halen. I was there. Were you really? Yep. Oh, my God. It was a makeup show. Yes, 50,000 people. Whoa! were down there in the West End, only blocks away from us, as they played outside a free show. Now, the reason they did this is because, like Dave said, it was a makeup show, and here, we'll let, uh, we'll let Chip Moody describe it to you. Dallas is West End today, and all for a free rock concert. Concert co-sponsor Dallas Alley estimates as many as 50,000 people showed up for Van Halen, although Dallas police estimate it was closer to 20 to 40,000 people. The rock group came to fulfill an obligation that dates back to the 1988 Texas Jam, when lead singer Sammy Hager suffered a sore throat. He promised Van Halen would return with a free concert. And that they did. They came back and played the West End for free three and a half years later. Dude, what was they showed the video I saw was insane. It was people so packed in yeah, there. That it was you impossible. Were, you couldn't even walk. Yeah, it was there were so was, many people and it you know the the streets are not that wide down in West End. The stage was in the corner by the West End warehouse building. Yeah. And yeah, if you didn't get there early enough, there was no way you would ever be in a vantage point where you could even see the stage. Yeah. I had to get there early. And I will say this, so Chip Moody does uh, point out something there that I need to correct. The last Texas Jam was actually 88 when okay. Ben Hagar performed. <laughs> that's what they were, uh, that's, it wasn't the 87, it was the 88, in fact, uh, with uh, Scorpions, Doc, and Metallica, and Kingdom Come. So I take that back. <laughs> uh, significant concerts, the last two are the most, two notable that have ever come through here. One, the Beatles in 1964. Uh, and this is what it sounded like at Memorial Auditorium. We'd like to ask you all, if you do us a favor, and we'd like to ask you all to join in with the song. Will you join in? Yeah. Okay. Okay, then. All right, listen, it's dead, it's dead easy. All you've got to do, as we're singing the song, you've either got to sing or clap your hands. Okay, then. Make as much. Yeah, make as much. Make as much noise as you like, you know, and really let go because it's not our place anyway. And so we'd like to carry on with the song, and it's called Can't Buy Me Love. Can't buy me love. So that was, you know, it is what it is. It's the Beatles. It was unbelievable. It's the only time they ever came to North Texas. 1964, that was it. They had, they had to explain how to go to a concert. They did. They played 40 minutes, and that was it, and off they went, but it was massive. And then 
The most legendary concert ever to come through here was Nirvana at Trees, October 19th, 1991. And Trees was tiny. Never mind. They booked the show before Nevermind came out. Trees had just opened. It was less than a year old. Really? Mm-hmm. God. And is that true, Robert? Yeah, Trees opened in 1990, yeah, because I was just at the Times Herald when it opened. Tiny Club, Nevermind gets released, and obviously you know the rest of the story. So they play this. They tried the, the, the promoters and record label tried to get the show moved to a much bigger venue. Trees was like, hell no, we're not doing it. So they said to Trees, all right, look, please put barricades up in front of the stage, which Tree said, no, we're not going to do that either, but we'll put like bouncers up front. So there were like four bouncers sitting up on stage making sure that nobody rushed the stage. And uh, Robert, you were there, but I'm going to let Jeff Lyles, the if, if you're 1A, Lyles is, is 1A part two as far as Dallas well, music historians go. I, I, I watched the show with Jeff Lyles in the DJ booth at Trees. Okay. We have a, a, a wonderful story to tell from that moment. So Baller. here is Jeff Lyles describing what went down as the bouncers were trying to keep the fans off the stage. I guess they got about three or four songs into the set, and Kurt got pissed about the monitor mix and walked over and took his guitar and just started beating the out of the monitor console on the side of the stage. And Craig and Curly, the guy who owns the monitor, is just like standing there going like, dude, what the f*** are you doing? You know, and they're standing there looking at each other. And finally, they got a big piece of plywood and stuck it on top of the monitor console so he couldn't, like, f*** it up anymore. And and Chris and, and Dave are both looking at him like, dude, what are you doing? You know, they, they, they were clearly at, had a conflict dynamic between Kurt and the other two guys in the band. So anyway, they started playing again. And... Um, Kurt jumped out in the audience and you know because he had made such a big deal about the audience not being on stage you know for him to jump out in the audience Turner I could tell you know was just like what you know what the f- decide what you want one way or the other you know so the audience is like passing Kurt around above their heads and he's trying to, to get back towards the stage and they're pushing him towards the stage and they pushed him towards Turner and uh, Turner's like that and pushed him back in the audience you know and and Kurt turns around with his guitar like that and swings his guitar around and bam hits Turner right between the eyes with the, with the jack strap plug you know on the bottom of the guitar you know just like you know obviously didn't feel good so Turner was in shock for a second and then turned around and then bam slug Kurt right in the head that's when Dave jumped out from behind the drum kit and Chris threw his bass down and you know they're both trying to like separate all the parties you know they're all standing on stage like you know, yelling at each other and trying to figure out, and Kurt's like, what the f***, man, you know? So, chaos ensued. The band leaves. Kurt disappears. They'd played four songs. This was the biggest show in Dallas for 30 years or whatever. They can't find Kurt. Jeff Lyles goes up to a broom closet up there near the green room at Trees and finds Kurt and some roadie snorting heroin and <laughs> is like, dude, get back on stage now. And he goes back on stage and finishes the show, but not without all of that happening and him getting in a fight with the bouncer and the crowd just going crazy. It was insane. I'd like to add one small thing to that. When they left the stage, Jeff and I were up there trying to figure out what's going on. And I said to Jeff, I will give you $10 right now if you play Smells Like Teen Spirit. Because we were standing next to the record player. So he puts Smells Like Teen Spirit on. I give him the 10 bucks. Their road manager, this British guy, kicks in the door and says, take that effing record off right effing now. He grabs the record off it and smashes the record. <laughs> wow. 
Wow, indeed. So those are the most infamous, notorious. And remember, that was just a few days before. That was just a few days after Pearl Jam had come through. That's right. That's right. Like five people were there. God. All right, Robert. Love you. Thank you very much for the help. Thanks, man. There love you go. Too, boys. All right. We'll see you.